1: Welcome to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins. Listen today as we show you how to love God, love people, and impact the world for Christ.
2: I was made to love you.
3: Hello, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Cassandra Perkins on Behind the Mask, and I'm so glad that you're joining me for our show today. We have a great lineup of guests, and I'm so blessed to have each one of them on. They are such incredible people who I've known, and they each have such an incredible story of helping and sharing positive hope and and just inspiring others to live a purpose-driven life. Uh, Before we get started, I did an awesome event. I just did an awesome event. It's with Thirst, living waters. It was at uh, the golf tournament. It was a thirst living waters golf tournament. And it was with Richard Jenkins and Barb Jenkins. And they were so absolutely incredible. Sadly, their daughter um, passed away from suicide. And I got the amazing opportunity to be able to get up and talk to this this group of people about my story and being able to how we together can be together and be able to share your hope and Stories of positivity that can help others to live a purpose driven life as well. And also, how we can come together to support others and support people who are feeling down, support people that are feeling suicidal and having suicidal thoughts, and how together we can do that. It was such, so incredible. And I'm just so blessed to be involved with them. Hey, you should definitely look them up, show them some support, because I I love when I can find people who are living their life, you know, who have had to go through, sadly, had to go through tragic situations in their life. But they're using that to help others and to help others and support others. So be sure to check out their website. It's thirst livingwaters.com and they are just absolutely incredible and I was so blessed to be able to speak at their event so again that's thirstlivingwaters.com again I am so blessed to have on David Cassiano now he is the former mayor of Parker which is where I live here in Colorado is in, in Parker Colorado and uh, from the moment I met David oh gosh it's been oh, how long now six seven I mean 70 it's, years by oh, now gosh. I think it's something like that yeah about seven years that I've known I said 70 not 70. oh okay <laughs> 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 that I've known, uh, David Cassiano, like <laughs> <days> <laughs> right. So. Uh, that I've known David Cassiano and he is just so incredible. And from the moment I met him, I, I knew that he had a passion for our youth and he, yes. he wanted to, to be out in the community and help us. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who say that my generation and-, and who we are as a generation is, is lost and there's no hope for us. And, I think when we get together, groups of individuals, adults, um, and the the older generation um, that want to help us and reach out to us and be there for us, as we saw, you know, we sat on the Youth for Parker board, and we helped get that started in Parker, and we'll talk about that more in a second, but kids need that outlet. They need someone to be able to look forward to, and I really think that you provided that in our community, and, and you still do today, being able to reach out and help. So, David, I'm just so glad to have you on my show well, today. Thank you, very-
2: me i haven't yeah. seen you in a while i know grown it's been up a while some, and my gosh <laughs> and things have changed <laughs> yeah but. Uh, it's so good to be here. Yeah, be
3: absolutely. Here. And I'm so blessed to have you here. And it's just so incredible to be able to see you and hear from you again. And I'd love to catch up with you. Absolutely. Um, at the second 15 minutes of, of our show, I would love to talk about you're actually performing at the Aurora Fox Theater. And that's, I would love to get into that because yeah. you found something that's so passionate for years. And I think that's one of our topics today is, you know, when you're going through stuff and when you're lost or, or whatever the case, to find something that you're you're passionate about, like this generation, you know, feeling lost and feeling hopeless.
2: And I don't understand why that is I, I, you know I, we've had so many suicides in Douglas County you know that
3: absolutely I've read
2: about them you know that I've been with uh, my, you know, Mayor Wade on these issues um, you've addressed them it's it's very sad that we have this these young people who think there is absolutely nothing out there for them and there's so much out there for them and all they need to do is just to ask uh, that's how Youth for Parker came together yeah is young people like yourself simply asked And I was available to be there to listen to that question. And and then from that just grew the whole organization. Just grew within, I think, about two and a half hours in the library. But they were energetic. They wanted something to do. Uh, They knew that giving back to the community was the right thing to do. And they did it. And, yeah. th- and there you go. So for eight years, we had a great organization called Youth of Parker that just did wonderful things. Yeah,
3: let's talk about and, that a little more. I mean, Parker. it was so incredible to mm-hmm. be a part of something like exactly. that. And, uh, you know, at the time when I got involved, I was in probably closer to the beginning of eighth grade, yes, end of seventh right. grade, or eighth grade, uh, you know, end of seventh grade kind of time period. And uh, being involved with uh, a bunch of kids who I was going to end up going to high school with was so great for yep. me and mm-hmm. to be able to find kids that had something that they wanted to get out in their community and make a difference and be passionate about the, about something, but at the same time we were surrounded by people who we were your friends with and other teenagers, and we were able to go out and still be teens and still have fun and still you know joke around, but at the same time do it for a purpose. So how did that how did that come about? And then you know you being the the former mayor, how did that kind of come to you and, and be brought to you to start something like that?
2: Uh, as soon as I had been elected mayor, actually before that I just won the election, and then uh, shortly after that we uh, still wasn't. And sworn in yet? A group of uh, 22 students uh, contacted me and said, We'd like to meet with you. And I said, Absolutely, let's get together. And we met at the library. Mm. And I remember there was like, uh, it was, I think it was a Saturday, and we met at 10 a.m., and by 1230, we had, uh, the whole organization was put together. And primarily, what they were talking about was there was nothing to do in Parker. And I said, right. you know, you're absolutely right. There really isn't much for young people to do. But if there was, what would you do, and what would it look like? So I just asked those two questions, and then I shut up. And they had the answers. And we just started writing things on, you know, on, on sheets on the wall and everything else. And they had their mission statement going. They had their vision statement going. They put together some activities that they felt could work. I said, the only way we're going to know if they work is let's just try them. Right. Uh, if we don't try them. The next thing I know, I went, uh, you know, I was sworn in and went to the council. I asked them their opinion about it. Staff was thrilled. We got mm-hmm. the rec center for nothing. Uh, I mean, you know, we they, they gave us the rec center. We had the first event of almost 600 kids showed up. Wow. And it was just playing. That was all we did. We had basketball going, skateboarding. I, I can't remember what we we're doing. We just just so much going on. We ran out of food twice and it was just <laughs> great. But uh, they kids just said, is this for us? I said, yeah, this is for Aww. you. And I said, and they thought they had to keep talking. I said, no, there's your, the board is over there. You go talk to the board. Remember, there's the president of the board. And I pointed them out. And, That's the president of the board. I said, yes, you know, that young lady's the president. Go talk to that person. And because I wanted it more the young people to run it themselves i was there to give advice the staff was there to give advice uh you know if they would ask something if we could get it done within the period of time that they asked us to do it we would get it done so but we cool. were not there to to tell them what to do. We just said what what is it you'd like to do? It, and it changed. Yeah. Every venue changed because they were trying to make sure that they got the right combination. And that
3: was what was so cool yeah. was mm-hmm. being able to uh, have something to be in control of and instead of having adults stand around you and tell you what to do. Yep. It was it was a kind of in a way a point for us to grow up and, and make our own decisions and, and have that reality of this is what our life is gonna be like, this is what our future is gonna be like when you know mom and dad aren't there to stand for you anymore. And sadly. In the group, you know, there were some people who had parents who didn't really care or weren't there for them. So not only was it there to like help you uh, grow up and, you know, kind of make decisions on your own and run a a council on your own, a youth council on your own with a bunch of individual kids. But it was also a way to vent and to have people around you and to cope with things and whatever situation you were going through. You know, those people around you were going to I mean, it's something that everyone should start. Don't you agree? Something that.
2: Yes, because young people can talk to other young people. Yeah. I think that was the key to our success was during many of the activities, there were those students other young people who just came in and said, you know, I've got I've got this issue. And yeah. I said, well, let's talk about it. Other young people would come by and they would help them.
4: Yeah.
3: And
2: they would work with them and they would talk to them. And it was great. because and it was
3: fun. It too. was
2: fun. That's how I got to meet the Douglas County Young yeah, Marines came one time because they said, we'll chaperone the pool parties. And they came in. They came in their uniforms. And the funniest thing that happened was they are standing outside, and they're—you know—they're in formation because they're ready to go inside and walk around the pool to make sure everybody's safe and everything else. And these two carloads vans of young girls pull up, and you could hear the screaming. Oh, he's so cute! And I said, "Oh my!" I said, "Boys, you're going to be here for a a long night." So they were hysterical laughing. But the parents, when the parents dropped them off, came in because we always invited the parents please come in and see what we're doing the moment they saw we had the police there many times we just we had a, an event one time where a uh, air force showed up from from Colorado Springs and our police officers and we had a dodgeball game wow. going and i lasted about 10 seconds in that game <laughs> it was terrible it was embarrassing but i get that but they people just show up and sp- and it was spontaneous right all of a sudden like we'll play you wow and the, and, and People just came out of everywhere and the kids were playing and it was, that's what it was when, when things just happened for the sake of happening, right. that's when it was the most wow. fun.
3: Wow. I just think that it's so unbelievable that you're, you're so passionate about our youth because like I, I said previously, a lot of people abandon us and look at us as basically a lost hope and a lost generation. Um, for you, because you're so supportive of our generation and what we're doing, what do you feel that the, the worst issue is in our young generation today?
2: What I'm hearing right now and what bothers me the most is bullying. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot about it. It has caused some very severe damage, in some cases suicide, because these young people can't take the bullying anymore. And they, they figure there's no point in living Uh, They don't. They don't. They they feel there's no way to get help, which is not right. There is help out there for those who get bullied. Yeah, how do we do that?
3: Yeah, how do we do
2: that? Uh, Well, the first thing is get to you know talk to somebody. Talk to your parents. uh, If you can't talk to your parents, call. You know, hey, call town hall. Yeah, uh, you know, call town hall. They have people there that they can get you. Call your school district. is very is getting yeah. very much involved in now in in the anti-bullying campaigns. Lots of school districts are, and there are people out there who are being trained in this. And right. who was a young lady that we met that one time at the Rex Center? We did that whole morning and, uh, oh, I can't forget. I forgot our name. But, boy, you know, the, all those people that were there, they were all. We
3: did a huge event where we, we were yeah. just supportive and it was National Bowling Day. But they, all had, Day. Some kind, but they yeah. all had some kind of connection. They had
2: connections and they knew what to do. They knew you could talk to them. It was great. There are people you can talk to. Yeah. Had, talk to me. Yeah. All right. Cell phone 303-945-0678, kids, call me and I will talk to you seriously because you have to have someone to talk through it and then we will get you the help.
3: I love that you said that. I I did an event where I I got up on stage and it was a room full of... uh... Ten thousand girls, I believe, and they were just teenagers, and uh, they were all there because they were being bullied. Or right. it was it. The school districts brought all the young girls in, and I got up and talked. And uh, you know, I said openly on stage, "If you need somebody, give me a call. I don't care who you are." And I got put down so much from others around me because I, I oh, you can't give out your number, but I can. If somebody's willing, if someone's feeling suicidal and wants to reach out to somebody, who are we to say, "Oh yeah, let me refer you to this"? You know what I mean? We want to be able to save lives, and I love that you're so involved in the generation doing that because we need to get out there. We need to be able to to put ourselves out there to help save lives, especially as an older generation, to have someone to openly open up to, no matter if it's town hall, if it's you, if it's me, if it's a, a counselor, a teacher, a parent, whatever the case is. To be able to open to up to someone like that is is really key, don't you agree?
2: It has to be. You have to you have to just have take that first step. Yeah. Just take the first step. It's not difficult. No. And your hand will not be slapped away. Somebody will take that hand of yours and say, "Let's go talk about this. Let's find. Let's right. talk about it and then make make sure we get to the next step, which let's get you some help. Let's find out what's going on out there, uh, because you know I've met so many young people who just get bullied. My first advice is don't be alone. Yeah, especially in school, be with other people because right. bullies don't like numbers. They don't, mm-hmm. and so if you're with a lot of people, they're not going to do anything. There's too many witnesses, right? right? So I mean, because I was bullied went through throughout school, yeah. and and so, but Mike, that's how I learned. I said, yeah, I was never alone after that, you know. And it's like they, they never bother me.
4: Pulling all those my, around you, yeah,
2: because well, my friends were like, yeah, why 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 don't you why don't you stop? You know, there's there's more of us than there are of you. Why don't you leave us alone? And as soon as the bully realized that they're outnumbered, they go, Yeah, we better get out of here. So but stay together.
3: Well, finding people around, you know, I feel like this generation is just so lost because they can't find people around them that are supportive. Find your passion. Go out and find your passion. I know when I started getting involved, you know, I love helping the homeless and and volunteering. When I started doing that, I found others around me. If you love helping out with animals, go down to the animal shelter. Whatever the case is, find your passion. And and speaking of passions, we have your incredible, incredible performance that you're going to be doing here pretty soon. (laughs) I'd love love to talk about that. We do have to take a break, though, so Stay tuned. We'll talk about what David Cassiano is doing now. We'll be right back.
1: We were there in times of war.
5: And today marks the anniversary of the end of the Korean War.
1: We were there in times of peace. The wildfires in California are now under
4: control. Thanks to the efforts of the air.
1: For more than 50 years, the Air Force Reserve has been there when America needed us most.
6: <laughs> but his greatest achievement was the Medal of Honor he received after Vietnam. In
1: news, a family of four was saved during the hurricane last night by an Air Force Reserve rescue team. The daring rescue...
5: And in the War on Terror, soldiers were airlifted today to a hospital in Germany.
1: From defending freedom around the world to protecting people and property here at home, we are there. We are the Air Force Reserve. To find out more about the Air Force Reserve, call 800-257-1212 or visit us online at afreserve.com. Air Force Reserve, above and beyond.
3: Hi, this is Cassandra Perkins from Behind the Mask.
4: And this is Mark Murrow with Champion of Choices.
3: Major depression affects more than 120 million people around
4: the world. Suicide is now the second leading cause of death with students ages 10 through 24.
3: Like my good friend Mark says, happiness is the key to success, and we all have that choice to make in life. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so reach out to those around you and be the voice.
4: We become who we surround ourselves with. Your friends, they're like elevators. They're either going to take you up or they're going to take you down. Find out more information at ThinkPause.org. ThinkPause.org.
7: I'm a wife, a mother, and I'm on a waiting list for a double lung transplant.
0: A lung disease is threatening Robbie's life.
7: I've had cystic fibrosis all my life, but now my future depends on getting a transplant. My lung capacity is at 26%. So if a healthy, normal person would shut down three quarters of their lungs, that's what I'm functioning on. As my health has declined, I miss some of the things that I love to do with my daughter. Bike rides, taking long walks, rake leaves in the fall and run and jump in them with her.
0: Right now, tens of thousands of people are waiting, like Robbie, for an organ or tissue transplant.
7: My driving motivation is my daughter and being there for her. It's hard to imagine a greater gift than the gift of life from an organ donor. It means life. I get to keep living.
0: You have the power to donate life. Be an organ and tissue donor. To find out how, go today to www.donatelife.net.
1: Back to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins on 810-KLVZ, where love lives.
3: Welcome back to the show. I am joined by David Cassiano, who is the former mayor of Parker, and that is how I met David Cassiano, and I actually had him on a, a video talk show I did a while ago with the same kind of format, and you were on way back then, and we, we had you know similar conversations. Exactly. And- But it's so great to catch up with you and see you again. It's good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So before the break, we were talking a little bit about the the youth, because the youth is something that's very passionate for me, you know, and I am part of the youth. I'm only 18 years old, but... Along from that, I, I want to help. I want to be able to right. help the younger youth and people who are younger than me, the people my sister's age, who are 10, you know, all that younger group. And you yourself want to help and have helped with the youth and mm-hmm. putting together groups that can help and support others. And, you know, before the break, we were talking a little bit about finding your passion, whether that's going out and helping others or Correct. going out and drawing with art, whatever the case is. When you find your passion and what you love to do, you will surround yourself with others who are passionate the same way and are like minded so go out and do things like that and you've truly found your passion and you've had for a while which is acting and um you know performing and i just think mm-hmm. that's so incredible we actually did a movie together we did that's bully right. we did bully girls and uh, that was a while ago but we got to perform in that and that was a whole movie about bully awareness and exactly and you got to play the detective, and it was exactly. it was yeah, really it was fun. really cool. It was yeah, so it, was, fun. it was great. It was but great. Um, so you are playing at the Aurora Fox Theater. I'd love for you right. to just kind of talk about your role and how how cool that is to find something that passionate that you love. So yeah, when where are you playing it at?
2: It's the Aurora Fox Theater. Yeah. It's the smaller theater, and we're doing the show. Be opens this Friday. It's for the next uh, four weekends. So Fridays, Saturday, and Sundays. Friday nights and uh, Saturday nights is seven thirty. Sunday is a two p.m. show. If you go to the Aurora Fox uh, website and go to guest performances, you can see everything there and also purchase your tickets there as well. Wow! But uh, we're open Friday. The set's going to be phenomenal. But again, this here's a story about a man who, uh, uh, Clarence Darrow. Yeah, who we tell don't me about people it. don't know much about him uh, yet. We have our eight-hour day and our five-day work week and all these other things because he was a man who went out and fought passionately for the people who could not speak for themselves. During the time that he was a lawyer, unions were hated because they were fighting for the people who were working for these, these major mm. companies. He had young children working there, 10 and 11 year old boys in the mines doing, you know, doing horrific work, losing their hands and their arms in, in accidents like this, and then being basically cast aside. And then bring somebody else in, mm. and so he finally went. You know, he went to to fight for them and got them their got them their rights, and young children could stop working and go to school, yeah. and have a life as a child. Right. And and so he was out there doing that. And here's a man. He was he. He he started out. He went to the to the heights of greatness, uh, and then he was cast down because he had to change the plea of these two young men who had purposely killed. Uh, to, to get attention in terms of getting a, a union contracts and all these kinds of things, and they did the wrong thing. Mm. And they made a terrible mistake, and they had a lot of evidence against them, and he knew that they were wrong. And he said, well, if I could just get them to plead guilty and I can get them to go to jail, that would be fine. Because he hated the death penalty. He was against the death penalty. But he knew that if you were guilty, you deserve to be in jail. And so he would fight at least for you not to die a horrific death at that time by the by the state mm. but uh, as soon as he had done that he was cast away he was called a traitor people you know they hated him so he had to go back again and start all over again and instead of you know he but he went back to fight for other people again as you know defend defend them and uh, so he you know had, he started great he had great life cast down into the valley and he had to work his way back up to that mountaintop, and this wow. this play is about that journey. Uh, so it's a one-man show. I'm on stage for almost two and a half hours, wow. uh, with a 15-minute break, but it's a great great show for young people to come and see as well because I believe that they, they get a, they'll get a message out of this man mm. uh, and so and, and his story and what transpired. and they also get a sort of a history lesson but it's not boring history lesson he takes you through a lot of different things that happened in America and why they happened and what needed to be changed and how he helped to change that and I think that for me that's what struck because uh, I, I love history and I love certain people in who do who do uh, things in history. Like for instance, John Adams. You know, I just picked up the book John Adams because I had seen some of the episodes. I said, "I know this guy. I've read about. Let me go find out more about him." Yeah. And I have. I can't put the book down.
3: I think it's interesting too. So yeah. it's
2: it's. I think if young people understand that they're not alone, that this this is nothing new.
3: Right. This when is nothing new, young people. Yeah. Listen
2: to me. This is nothing new. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna meet challenges in your life but there's going to be people there to work with you help you talk to you get you through these challenges and you can move on and you can find things that you're passionate about there's an old saying and it's from the talmud which you know i love studying religions as well and it says if you do not add to your community you subtract from it And my message to young people is don't subtract from your community. You have something to add to it. Everyone Everyone Add to the community. You don't have to be an engineer or anything else. Just be yourself. Go meet somebody else. Go talk to somebody else. And you'll be surprised Mm -hmm. what that will do to add to your community for that one significant hour that you're there. You you forget who you are. We just talked about it. You forget who you are, and all of a sudden you realize that there's so much more out there for you to do.
4: Right, absolutely.
2: I don't know what else to say about it, but yeah. that's you know, but the show can the show can also show you that the, that play can show you what this man did. We all go through did. struggles and so obstacles we have struggles in our life. Yep. Yeah.
3: How do you feel that you relate to to the character yourself?
2: Uh, because I wanted—I've always wanted to help people, and I've always—I was like—I used to defend people when I was in you know, gra- you know, elementary school and middle school and high school. I, I should have been a lawyer, but I guess that's <laughs> that calling. But uh, but you know, the fact that he was a person who just gave and gave and gave. Uh, you know, he was—he was successful. He even talks about it. He said, "I was successful because I didn't charge people a fee if they couldn't afford to pay it." So he would do things you know, just for free free, to help them out, as they call it, pro bono. And it was amazing how he he just helped people. And he said, you know, and I would find clients. Of course, there'd be clients who could pay the fee. And that helped to keep my office open. And it helped to do this. But for the most part, I was always working for people who couldn't afford to pay the fee because they were the poor. The poor will always have with us. But the poor need to be defended too. And that was his thinking.
3: Why do you think it's so important to to share a message like that? I just I love the message of having to go through struggles and mm-hmm. it, there there's a lot of different messages there about helping and loving and supporting no matter who you are, you know, doing things for the the better good of others. Why do you think that's so important not to share with only my generation but the the entire world honestly because it's it's very buried today those those ethics and those values.
2: They, they get buried they get buried because there's so much going on that takes us away our, takes our mind and our eyes off the game really right uh, you know you have all these electronics that are, that are going on Young people today I'm seeing this in, in my friends and their children is that they don't connect because they're sitting there playing games right uh, or, they're or, the, anything. or they're on yeah or they're on the phones I said you know when do you talk to your child hmm. you know my daughter, my daughter lives in England. We talk every week. Right. And that it's we, we, that's what we do. You have to. And we talk every week about everything under the sun. And it's wonderful, and we have a wonderful relationship wow. together because we talk.
3: You got to be able to have that. You got to yeah. be able to have that open communication and, and mm-hmm. to share those ethics and, and values with your family. And this this uh, generation in this world is is very social media based and very electronic based. And you know, to if something's going on, to take a photo of it instead of capturing it with your mind. And you know, it's it's very 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 sad. But if we together can can come together and kind of you know change some of that. You know, to sit at dinner and have a, a conversation conversation with your family is so amazing. And to share those, you know, values and ethics of the show of just helping and helping others and loving others, and that we all go through obstacles in our life, but that you will get over it and you will see the light at the end of the tunnel eventually. You know what I mean?
2: I wanted to make sure too, Cassandra, that I wanted to do a show that young people could come right, to. And I'm right, talking absolutely. about, you know, I'm talking 11, 12-year-olds can come and see this show. Wow. And I promise you that you come with, you know, drag your parents. And when is it again? it starts, oh, we open this Friday, the awesome. 7th, and we go for the next four weekends.
3: And where can they find out more about that as well as Go yourself? to the
2: Aurora Fox Theater website. Uh, just type in, you know, Google Aurora, Aurora Fox Theater, and it'll come up. Then go to the tab that says Guest Appearances, and you'll see the whole show is there. Awesome. But uh, I want this show to be an inspiring not only to adults, but to young people as well. Absolutely. I think they'll be inspired and they'll understand what it means to add to your community.
3: Wow. Absolutely. David Cassian, thank you so much for thank being you. here today. And I'm just so blessed to be able to see you again. And we'll have to have you on like, again sometime.
2: Absolutely. I love absolutely. it.
3: Thank you, David. Hey, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Behind the Mask.
6: Janine Marks, a 12-year-old, was fairly normal. She spent a lot of time online. One day, she met a new friend. The new friend had the same problems at home. They liked the same bands. They worried about the same subjects in school. They promised to keep each other's secrets. They wished they went to the same junior high. The new friend had good news. He said he was going to be in Janine's area one Saturday. He thought it would be amazing if they could just hang out, go to the mall. Janine agreed. The new friend didn't want parents messing this up. Janine showed up alone. So did her new friend, who wasn't in junior high, wasn't nice, and wasn't a 14-year-old boy. Every day, children are sexually solicited online. Help delete online predators. Call 1-800-THE-LOST or visit Cybertipline.com to learn how to protect your kids' online life. A message from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the Ad Council.
4: Hi,
3: this is Cassandra Perkins.
1: This is Deputy John Arnold of the Douglas County Sheriff's Office.
3: Did you know that over 1,006,000 car accidents are caused from texting and driving each year?
1: Also, you have a 23% greater chance of being involved in a motor vehicle accident while texting and driving.
3: If you get a text, it can wait.
1: Pull over to a safe location.
3: Nothing is that important. Don't, Don't drive, drive while intoxicated. intoxicated.
1: Thank you for calling Mothers Needing Advice. If you have a problem, press 1. If this problem involves your child, press 1. If one child bit the other, press... If you fear you're the only one with this problem, thank you. Calls are answered in the order they are received. Your call will be answered in approximately 80, 7 days and 4 hours. Having trouble finding the help you need? If this problem is urgent, press 1. In cities nationwide, mothers are getting together to learn grow and share their experiences if that means you can't wait all day press if you if i'm sorry that option is not available neither is that one mothers of preschoolers mops mothers just like you helping mothers just like you face to face call 1-800-929-1287 or visit their website at www.mops.org Let's rejoin Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins on 810-KLVZ, where love lives.
3: Welcome back to the show, everyone. I was joined by David Cassiano, the first half hour of the show. He was talking to us a little bit about the youth, as well as he is performing at the Aurora Fox Theater for Clarence Darrow. Um, That's an amazing, amazing show. I wish I could go see. I'm going out of town this week, which is... it's going to be awesome. I'm going out of town, which I'm kind of excited about. We're going to Pueblo. We're going, I know I love Pueblo. We're just going to get a little camper and go in an RV and go to Pueblo. I'm just so excited for it. But, um, you know, I I would love to see it, but I just recommend that anyone see it because it, it, yeah, four four weeks. Oh, okay. So it really instills values of just support and, you know, having to go through hardships in your life, but being there and supporting others, um, you know, matter who they are or where they are, you know, financially, whatever the case is. So being able to support people and do that is just so incredible. If you want to find more about that show, be sure to go to my website and you can find more about David Cassiano on there as well, which is CassandraPerkinsRadio.com I have such a good friend calling into the show from Texas and I just, I love her so much. She is such an incredible person and and from the moment I met her um, I actually met her at Ziggler she was on my show not too long ago, but uh, she was on my show before, but I met her before I went to Ziggler the first time for um, certification and I talked to her one day when I was sitting out um, on my boat and we were sitting out at the reservoir. She called and we had a, about a, a 30, 45 minute conversation. And I just, I fell in love with her. She is just such a, a unique individual and uh, she is so passionate about everything that she does. So I'm so blessed to welcome again to my show, Veronica Seitz. Veronica, are you there? I am. Hi, Veronica. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. Wow, I'm just so glad to. You look terrific. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm, I'm at you. You're looking pretty good too. <laughs> David kind of wanted to. I have sit that in... face
2: for radio. Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> David wanted to sit in here and kind of, you know, he he thinks what you're doing is so incredible, and I've been posting all about social media on it. So he would love to sit in here and kind of uh, talk on the conversation too. Which why not? Absolutely, I'd love to get both opinions here. But um, you know, you have your and you you know before you came on my show last time you were writing a book and you were just doing so many absolutely incredible things and, and reaching out to others and, and reaching out to the youth. But before you came on my show last time, you were in the, you actually were, I think we're just finishing your book, Rachel did you know? And I got a chance to to read through it and skim through it. It's more of um, really a, a journal and being able to kind of cope with things more than really a book. It's it's just so unique and so incredible. So, um, you know, in the front of it, Veronica, what it says is a personal journey of healing and hope to help you through the pain of losing a loved one. So really, what is the personal journey, if you don't mind me asking, of what happens when we, you know, what is the personal journey? Do What do we face when we lose a loved one
5: you know first of all grief is very personal my my loss of a loved one will not be the same or felt or um processed in the same way as if you lost someone i like to tell people that journey is as unique as the relationship you had with the person that is now gone Mm. so there are many times that you know in conversations just in passing of course when we don't know what we don't know sometimes we think or conclude you know a few months from now a year from now they should be at this place or you know they should be doing better by now everybody's process is different and it's a journey of time and healing and i i have to I you know, almost disagree with time heals all wounds in the sense there's truth to that, but that wound will be present mm. for the rest of that survivor's life. It's how someone heals from the wound. And, you know, I, in, in the chaplaincy that I do, it's, you know, the comparison of an outward visible scar versus an inward scar. Mm that person that has had the loss is carrying an invisible scar. And outwardly, unless you're in the inner circle of the relationships to that person and having those deep conversations, you may not know the depth of where that person is. Right. Some people get stuck in pain. Some people suppress. Some people move on and... Um, It catches up with them later as far as compressing. Wow
3: well to be able to kind of recognize that there is d- different grieving from from other people and you know that time's, time does heal all wounds is you know it's hard uh, you know I, I know that constantly I'm thinking about my friends who I've lost and, and sadly that's to suicide but I, I constantly think about them on a daily basis and uh, you know from everything from the, the grass and looking at the grass and thinking of them or, or, or seeing you know my, my friend used to own a jeep so every time I see a jeep I, I think of him in you know whatever whatever it is I'm constantly thinking of them and my grieving I don't I don't think that's ever ever gonna go away in my life. I can't see myself getting over that nor do I really want to get over that but I, I want to be able to to take that and develop happiness out of that and to be able to to look at their sadly their death as you know a, a good thing and to be able to look at it and say they're you know with God now in my case and in my beliefs. So you know for you you know, your your book, Rachel, Did You Know? I, I mean, who is the Rachel, and, and why did it inspire the, the title of this
4: book?
5: Rachel is the daughter of a friend of mine, and the inspiration was more because Rachel's story is my story in the sense that at the age that I was when I lost my my very close family relative that was five and I was ten, Rachel was ten when she lost her brother to a tragic uh, fatality accident. Mm-hmm. And having already been a mentor in her life, and her mom being a very good friend of mine as well, incidentally, this, this accident occurred in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And so I caught a flight there that afternoon or the evening that after it occurred, because tragically, the two were sent to two different hospitals, and the surviving, you know, father had a dilemma on his hand. He couldn't be in two places, and I recognized through the process, not, not immediately, but this was actually several months later, I recognized that the things that had touched my life and the heartache and the pains that I had been through, which included losing, losing a sibling myself when I was in my 20s, wow. suddenly all came back to me as an occurrence, of a true revelation where I recognized that something very painful touched my life because I had been wired to meet somebody in that pain and then walk with them forward to a better place. And all I can all I can explain is that what I did know was that that father more than likely did not want anybody around him, but the practical needs were real. He needed to be able to get to from one hospital to another hospital, and I remembered everything my family went through and the two tragedies that we had with with young people that. There is practical and there is pain, and pain can be so intense that the mind begins just reactionary without logically thinking through. The pain is so deep, we don't want anybody in there, but yet the reality of what is needed to take even one step forward sometimes cannot be clearly seen because of all of the chaos that comes with grief, mm. and that was just something that I felt extremely blessed, hugely, hugely humbled to recognize that for such a time as when Rachel was going through her loss, and you know it was—I I don't want to divulge a lot from for her family, but what's in the book I've got clearance to you know to, to share but what i understood was that nothing touches our lives that is not to help someone else and i love what the mayor said if you are not doing to help the community you're hurting the community
4: yeah.
5: and that that was my that was where i was at that point so rachel and and her mom allowed me to be a part of rachel's journey processing grief and at that time i was also very much the um, the grief and bereavement Expert turned to in my chaplaincy, chaplaincy core group where if there were death notifications or anything that involved a child and had, you know, any age adolescent, either giving them the notification or helping them through when the family had a loss, I was called in to work with them and I began to notice that the questions are the same as anyone processing grief. The position of being an adolescent one and two, being a sibling, poses a different a different situation for the grief journey. Wow.
3: So really, Rachel sparked something in you from what I'm taking away, correct?
5: Yes, very much so.
3: Wow. Well, to be able to have that, that spark lifted in you and to be able to kind of have that situation and look at it as your own. I mean, uh, you know, sadly, it took a, a devastating situation to have to, to go through that, but, you know, I think the um, a moral that I take away from here is that there are other people like there, like you out there who are going through hardships, who are, are dealing with difficult things, but we, we each get through them and we find ways to cope with it and we find things to cope with it, you know, such as your yourself. And, you know, I know for a fact that I still go through hardships, you know, on a daily basis. I think we all do in some way, shape or form, um, you know, whether it's financially, personally, business wise, whatever the case is, we still struggle struggle on a daily basis, but we find ways and we find things around us to, to help us cope with things and to be able to look at situations, and not only that, to be able to take our story and share it with others to help others and inspire others. Do you, do you agree, Veronica?
5: I do. I do agree because, I mean, the reality is that if you've walked in similar shoes, you know the steps that are going to follow, but taking into consideration they're going to be unique. And again, it's as unique to that relationship as the loss is for the person that has survived. There is no cookie cutter to what's coming next.
3: Right, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I... I love that you know you look at this situation and you've found ways not only to help yourself, but to help others who are going through the situation as well and might have t- different situations, different circumstances, but they can all use these things to help cope with them. And that's why I, I really like your book because it's really, in a way, uh, an outline to be able to, to cope with things and write things down. And I, I'd love to talk about that. We do have to take a break, but Veronica, when we return, I want to talk a little bit more about how your book is laid out. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Veronica Sites.
8: Each year, high school students from around the world begin the adventure of a lifetime by studying in the United States. Academic year in the USA, AUSA invites your family to become a part of the adventure. To host a student or to study abroad, Call us at 1-888-55-AYUSA. Hi, I'm Christina Schuler. I got a question for you. Have you figured out who you really are? God's Word helps me understand who I am inside and out and helps me deal with real life issues. It'll help you discover what it means to be uniquely you, the way God designed you, so you don't have to be anything but real. To find out more, check out the Bible. Visit MyFaithInLife.com.
1: Produced in partnership with the Bible League.
4: Want well, know who my hero is? It's not a princess. It's not a cowboy. My hero's going to make us all better. My hero's going to kill juvenile diabetes.
1: Kids with juvenile diabetes need you to be their hero now more than ever. We are so close to finding a cure for this disease, which threatens their sight, their hearts, their dreams. And when we find it, these kids can be kids. Unfortunately, superpowers won't find the cure. Your help will. Please, help the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation find the cure now. Call 1-800-533-CURE or go to JDRF.org. Your help makes you... My hero. 1-800-533-CURE or visit jdrf.org. You're listening to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins on 810 KLVZ, where love lives.
3: Welcome back to the show. I'm joined with Veronica Seitz over the phone and we have David Cassiano sitting here with, in studio with me and we're talking kind of about uh, Veronica's story and really she has her book um, she was on my show previously so if you want to hear that be sure to check about It's really more about her story and, and the struggles she had to go through as an individual as well but she is overcoming and she's just such a strong, strong, strong woman. I just can't say enough I look up to her so much but before um, last time we she was on she was writing her book or she was just finished with her book i can't recall it was about a year ago um but she was just uh finishing up her book and it's rachel did you know so now we are here today to kind of talk about that and talk really about the book and what what it's all about and how it's laid out so veronica are you still there with us i am hi veronica i'm so glad that you're on my show thank you so much for Mm -hmm. for calling in today
5: Thank
3: you so your book I mean if you just scroll through it it's it's a very easy read which I, I love about it because as much as I love books when you see a 600 page book it, it just automatically it, it turns me down I can't I can't deal with it I, I love reading <laughs> but you know at the same time it's a very easy read book but as you're scanning through it it's very bright the you know the bold and the font is very bright but there's something else when you scan through it. You know, there's pages where it looks like you would maybe write something. There's there's questions where maybe you would write something. So what what is this book? It's so different and so unique. And instead of just a, a regular book, what what is this book all about?
5: Well, it's actually a, a resource that's intended to. It addresses it, it addresses eighteen questions. Not that those are the. The coined questions that are asked, they're just tough questions that, it, again, from the perspective of one that has lost a sibling that now survives. Now, having said that, it's appropriate for anyone that's going through grief, but the sibling that survives the loss of another sibling is in a unique position or in, mm-hmm. in a unique catch-22 because their parents are grieving the loss of the same one the same individual. And because grief is as unique as the relationship of survivor to the, to the deceased loved one, the surviving sibling now is in a place that can be very isolating, hmm. that can be where very much a place of potentially withdrawing of themselves because it's natural when someone... Is processing through grief. There are questions, and they may be asked of you know somebody very close to them. In this case, they would want to, and and many times they do go to the parent to ask questions, and the parents asking the same questions of themselves or others, and you know, just the situation is you have to think that and understand that the parent in the surviving child is the pillar hmm. that they're looking to. Hmm that is in a world of, of loss and pain, and all all and all any time an emotion can come up, it can, it, I love your behind the mask, the mask comes off. It really does. Yeah. And the child, it doesn't matter what age, becomes potentially unsettled by that. Right. And they withdraw, and this was my story, and this is how I could recognize what was going on in Rachel's. Life and what was also a tendency with adolescents that had survived the loss of a sibling, the, the tendency may be that, okay, my question wasn't that important, never mind, I'll go on.
4: Hmm.
5: Well, it was important enough to, to give it a voice, but when met with any type of reaction or emotion that then becomes unsettling to the young person asking, that's where sometimes suppression can take place, um, repressing feelings, mm. because then they try to become strong for the surviving parents. And it it's called silent suffering. When a sibling survives the loss of, of, of one of their, their siblings, it's called silent suffering because there are oftentimes they are at risk of being in a place of retreating and creating their own isolation, they do feel isolation in and of themselves because the phrases, things that are said just in passing, you know, young people aren't supposed to die, this shouldn't have happened, yeah. those types of things. And, and they're young, too. And right. then then there's the, the reality that the fear of wondering if that's going to happen to them. Hmm.
3: Yeah, and they have to to go through that and face that even at a a young age or sometimes a young age and have to to question those things without having necessarily someone to talk to. And and you're speaking from experience here
5: through your own situation, correct? That is correct. The book is written from from understanding the perspective. I I would not have written the book had I not been able to identify with it. I, I mean, I could identify with Rachel's story, and I recognized where she was, and also she's beautiful. She's a beautiful, beautiful person. Yeah. And the book itself is actually written in two parts. One, the early years, right after following the tragedy, when she was 10, 11, and 12. And then recognizing that, of course, when we go through the teenage years, that's just a, a chrysalis for anybody. We all go through this transformative time, discovering who we are, who, you know, wh- what we're going to become. And I through through the you know wonderful connection of social media, I was able to keep in contact with the family when they moved away and realize you know when, when those later teenage years are coming about, there will be more questions because then those are those are seasons of life where you begin to realize my sibling's not going to be there for graduation. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do at this time in life? And oftentimes, many of the experiences an individual has been impacted by can really be a a deciding factor of the direction they may take. I I remember seeing one day a post that um, she wanted very much to go into medicine because of all all that the caregivers had given to her through her process of recovering and I thought, why am I not surprised? I just wasn't. Hmm. And, that, and then, I, of course, inters, introspectively, I was recognizing, okay, I'm seeing her questions and I'm recognizing my questions, and this is now part two of the book. Because when we get to those places of launching out to be individual young adults, there's much that any anybody has not even experienced the loss is wondering, you know, what am I going to do? Why am I going to do it? Where am mm-hmm. I going to go? What You know, so many questions, but recognizing that sometimes the things that we are thinking of doing have some roots in a traumatic event yeah. and may not be recognized or may not even be um, realized as this is what has sparked that passion and desire. So already you begin to see, through the questions or maybe in you know in the process that you know good good will come from this right hmm. so. right
3: well to have to to face that realization on your own is is very, very, very hard to do, in, in my opinion, and to do that, but to have something where you can look back on and say, okay, this is someone else who's been through it as well, and this works for them, this is something that they did that works for them, is, is you know, this could potentially really work for me and help me to find myself and to, you know, go through that personal j- journey and then being able to to heal and find hope through that, like like your book says. I mean, is that why you intended to write it in the, the platform the way that you did?
5: Well, I did because I thought, you know, I can only have so many conversations with any individual, right? Right. But I know, I know, human nature begs answers when questions are asked. Right. So each chapter is a question. It starts with a cha- It starts with a question, and the entire chapter deals with pointing to places of hope um, that will help somebody get some solid ground to stand on, you know, really to think about it. The end of the chapter then gives them an opportunity to actually write because that's part of, that that can be part of the healing journey. Uh, And I know that, you know, some people journal, some people don't, but it may not be, and not everybody can discuss this with a counselor because the pain is so deep, or they don't even know what to... Where to where to begin. Right. So to be able to have
3: that and have that opportunity to kind of go through that on your own, but to be able to do that with a a support system behind you and being able to have that self discovery on your own and discover the things that are are making you sadder, or or to be able to cope with that and find hope and eventually heal through this. I mean nothing is ever completely healed, you know, a scar, you always have a scar, but to be able Mm -hmm. to to not constantly feel so sad and depressed about it is just just a, such a unique way of writing a book and I am so blessed that you are, you know, here today you're able to to share this story of hope, love and faith and I'm just so blessed that you were able to be on my show. Really quickly, where can we find your book and more about yourself?
5: It is available at on it's on Amazon. Um you can also you request it from my website veronicasites.com. Just let me know you want a book and I'll get it sent out direct to you. Awesome. And yeah, it's Kindle, paperback, it's It's in every format possible.
3: (laughs) Thank you, Veronica. I appreciate you being on the show today. I love you lots and hope you're doing well. Thank you, Veronica. We've got Jacob Salem calling in. Jacob, you've got about a minute, so would you mind praying us out for today?
8: Absolutely. Father God, we just thank you so much for people like Veronica Seitz, that she has a heart to serve you, a heart for you, a ministry for you, and a book that directs people to you, the ultimate hope and everything that we do. Lord, today we just lift up the brokenhearted. Those on the show today and those that are just brokenhearted and don't even know of a show like this, don't even know where to turn in, don't even know all of the books, those that don't have a pastor to turn to or a friend to turn to. Lord, from all across the board, brokenhearted, that's, that's what I want to focus on in this prayer, Lord. We just pray that you would be with them, that you would touch them, bless them, lead them, guide them. May they not rest until they come to know you and everything that we go through in this life from all across the board we're going to face hurt and we need books like veronica's to give us a direction of hope to ask the questions we need to hear to point us in the direction the things that are relative to us lord jesus we thank you so much for your son for sending him to die for us so that ultimately we can have a relationship with you lord it's in your son's jesus name that i pray
3: Amen. 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 As always, thank you so much, Jacob. And thank you to everyone on my show, as well as my lovely producer, Jorge. Remember to love God, love people, and impact the world for Christ. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins. To reach Cassandra or to learn more about her ministry and work, visit CassandraPerkinsRadio.com or look her up on Facebook. Listen again every Tuesday from 4 to 5, plus the Saturday morning encore at 10 a.m. Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins right here on 810-KLVZ, where love lives.
0: Plus.